the biggest part of hardship wounds becoming scars versus never healing and getting infected lies within the part of verse 8. And it says, and read with me, go to verse 8. All the hardship that had come upon them on the way, and then what? How the Lord had delivered them. See, the thing about hardships is without the anointing of God and God bringing you through, those hardships will want to turn into your identity. A hardship I grew up with was having no father of biologicalness in my life. And if I allowed that to become my identity, I'm not Chris Larson, son of God. I'm Chris Larson, forgotten son. And that will always be my issue. Be careful for the things you've walked through that you do not give God the glory of walking you through them because then they will become your identity and you will struggle thinking that you are a chosen son of God, a chosen daughter of God because you will always weigh it against what you've gone through. Your hardships will constantly want to become your identity and you will struggle with adopted son because you cannot forget what you've come through. Your hardships constantly want to give praise to what you've gone through, not the one that brought you through. Your hardships will constantly want you to associate with the pain of the past. And the problem is, is this, the wound never closes up. If you get an infected wound on your foot, it can affect your whole body. You know what's beautiful about a scar? It may leave a mark, but it does not still have pain. And you need to be careful, and you must sometimes take a look over your life and realize and see, do I have any wounds I have not allowed God to heal me up from? Because you know what we got to be careful with? One wound in the body can affect the whole body. Do you know that if you have a wound in your life, you do not allow God to fix, it can infect an entire church? Do you know that if you have a wound that you do not let God fix, it can infect your marriage, it can infect your children, it can infect your work, it can infect your job, it can affect everything around you. If you do not allow God to heal fatherlessness in you, your son who has a father will have a wound he can't recognize. If you do not let God heal brokenness from the past and pain in the past and hurt in the past, you will associate it with part of your identity instead of giving God the glory of getting you out and you will have wounds and wonder why you never heal there was pain of going through slavery and being chased by uh, being chased by pharaoh and going through all the struggles of the wilderness the wilderness comes with struggles but be careful which ones you identify with because if you take out the fact that god delivered you and just identify with your pain you will identify with your pain more than you identify with the Father. Amen? Woo! Let's keep reading. Verse 9. Read with me. Let's study. Then Jethro... Some of y'all think that God wasn't a little country. Come on now. Jethro rejoiced for all the good which had, the Lord had done for Israel, whom He had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh. 
and who has delivered the people from under the hand of which the Egyptians, um, let me, I messed up, from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know, verse 11, that the Lord is greater than all the gods, and the very thing in which they behaved proudly, he was above them. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and other sacrifices to offer to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. When God brings you out of something, and God does something great, and you begin to give him praise, sometimes you need to stop and see how the closest ones around you react. What, how do people respond when you have a praise report? Sometimes you need to see if other people are just as invested in your victory as you are. Sometimes you need to sit there, and you need to begin to praise and see who praises with you. And if they praise with you, partner with them. Get along with them. We've got to be careful if God's done some great things in your marriage and then you go to work and all the guys are like oh just wait you need to stop praising around them and you need to go find some men that say mm, he that finds a wife finds a good thing mm, I thank you that God brought us together be careful yes we do need to praise around those that don't know it but sometimes we can get a low heart because no one will praise with us this is why I love having Terrence in my life but you know what why? Because if I need to praise someone to praise for me, I call up Terrence. And Terrence sometimes will outpraise my praise of what God brought me through. I've got someone in my life that'll dance with me, that'll yell with me, that'll shout with me. I've got someone in my life that's just as invested in my praise of my outcoming, of my, of my victory as, man, you would think God brought him through it. Who do you have in your life that's going to worship with you when things are going good? Who do you have in your life that are going to put their pride to the side in the middle of H-E-B and start praising in the bed aisle because God brought you through? Who do you have in your life that wants to rejoice with you and praise with you? Who do you have in your life that wants to see you succeed as much as you need to succeed? Hmm. This is where the parable of the sower comes in. Do we know the parable of the sower? It says, when the seeds were sown, some fell on rocky ground, some fell on hard ground, some fell on soil that took root real fast. And Think about it, right? And so often we associate with ourselves as the soil of how well we receive a word, on how well we receive what God is doing. Do you know that you are the sower as well? And yes, there is times to where I need to sow seeds out of God blessing me. I was at HUB just the other day, and a lady was talking, and I said, man, I've been doing good. I said, in a few days, I get to celebrate 13 years of marriage to my amazing wife. Whew, I got excited. And I said, man, beside Jesus, she was the best thing that's ever happened to me. And they said, oh, you know, sometimes the stars align. I said, no. Stars didn't align to keep me married with this woman for 13 years. It was the Holy Spirit that came alongside us and made sure we looked like Jesus. But I sat there and I said, man, sometimes I've got to praise Jesus through that. I've got to sow seeds at my job to tell them around a bunch of men, marriage is worth it. Having kids are worth it. Ministry is worth it. But I also need to be careful 
because I will begin to feel like I'm a failed farmer if all I ever do is sow seeds on broken ground because I never see a harvest. Make sure you're wise on where you plant your seeds of rejoicing because your heart needs to have hope that it will grab a hold and have fruit. Who do you have around you that will, that, that will grab a hold of what God has done and say, man, I've seen you through this season. I've seen you through this season. Keep it going. Keep running. Keep running after Jesus. You need to be able to sow seeds to those that don't know where you're sowing it, but you also need to be wise that you sow it around people that are excited to see the flowers grow. Amen? Woo. I told you I wasn't going to yell. Sit down. Okay. Verse 13. Go to the Bible. Verse 13. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So when Moses' father-in-law saw what he did for the people, he said, what is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses said, whoop. A big old beetle just hit me in the ear. Moses said to his father, I'm talking about Moses and look, plagues start showing up. Keep it going. Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a difficulty, they come to me and I judge between one another and I make known the statues of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, this thing you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear themselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. You must know it's not just the good things or the bad things that will wear you out spiritually. It's not just the hard things that will destroy you. It's not just the things that smell bad and the fighting and the hardships. Sometimes it's doing good things. Sometimes it's fulfilling the call of God upon your life. Sometimes it's doing the things that you're ministering to other people. Moses, in all wisdom, in all of his heart, was sitting on a stage like this, and people would come by him all day and bring, bring before him issues and trials and things, and he would bring wisdom to it. And Jethro goes, what are you doing? Well, I'm doing this for the people. Just you? What, just you? See, it's not just the bad things that couldn't wear you out. We spoke on anointing last week. And as you begin to walk out the anointing on your life, people will notice. And they'll begin to want to pull on you. They'll begin to want to get wisdom from you. Then they'll begin to want you to pray for them. And those things are good. But do you know that you can be so used to pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, you slowly are losing strength and losing things if you never fill yourself back up. And you must be careful that when you get that first taste of anointing, man, you want to go run and tell everybody and preach for everybody and, and, and give wisdom to everybody. Man, your marriage has been for two weeks, so you want to be a marriage counselor. So you start looking for all your broken marriages around you. Be careful. Be wise on how you do these things. Be wise on who you reach out to. Be wise on how much you reach out to. Can I give you a little background on Chris Larson? 
if you call me or message me on a Monday and it's not an emergency, you're not going to get a response. And I love you. That's because Monday is me and my family's day. Monday is the day for me to relax. Monday is the day for me to not think about anything according to ministry. Monday is the day for me to minister to my wife and my children. Now, if it's an emergency, yes. But old Chris didn't know how to operate on Monday because old Chris would always want to help and old Chris would always want to do and old Chris would always want to be about it. And then God sent some people around Chris's life that told him, do you want to see ministry at 50? Because keep doing this and you won't see ministry at 50. You, you've got to be mindful on when you have time to push out and sow and times for you to sit and relax. You need to be mindful on how much you minister and have other people to your house in days that you say, I'm sorry, you can't come to my house on this day. This is my house day. This is my, this is my family day. We don't do anything today. Does that mean that I don't love you? No, that means I want to be here for you 20 years from now and not just wear out like some pastors do in five years. So as a coach, you get to see a lot of fun things. <clears throat> and there was an athlete that every day they would show up to workouts, they threw up water every morning. Just threw up before the workout. And, 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 and they threw up every single day and we were like what is wrong what is going on what, what can you explain to me why and we couldn't figure it out we thought it was nervousness we thought it maybe it was just because how, how hot it is we found out they were so nervous of being dehydrated they were throwing down two full bottles of water first thing they did when they woke up in the morning before they woke up throwing bottles of water down. And it was making them sick to their stomach. They were, and we were like, what is the issue? And we found it out. The moment we changed that, they began to not have those sicknesses and problems. Some of your marriage problems might be the fact that you need to take a day off of fixing everyone else's marriage and just spend a day ministering to yours. Some of your, your children issues is that you spend every day helping everybody else's kids issues and don't spend a day with yours. Some of you might be the issue of you're helping every other man out there walk in purity, but you never have a day to stand and look at yours. You must be mindful that you need rest just as much as God rested, he would not have done it and said it for you if you did not need it. And you must be careful. Philip, this is why teachers have the summer off. I, we, I don't ever want to go to those days where we have to teach year-round. You're going to throw a kid. So you need to be mindful on what days you have just to yourself. You need to be mindful on what days you just have for your family. Mm. See, was what Moses was doing a good thing? Yep. Was he doing it out of a good heart? Yep. Did he love the people? Yep. Did he care about what he was doing? Yep. Because we must be careful because the enemy will come alongside good works and turn it into the polluted side where our works become more of our identity other than the adoption in Jesus Christ.
Let me be clear. Preaching on Sundays does not make me one iota more of a Christian or more of a son of God or more of the family of God. Going to church doesn't make you more of a Christian, but we have to be careful that good works become our God other than good works being a flow out of our adoptive relationship with Jesus. You can anoint everybody in H-E-B, and you can go baptize your entire school. You can go do all of these things, and you're not one more bit a Christian. But the enemy would want to come up because he wants to wear you out, and you'll be more focused on your good works and deeds. And you know what will happen? The moment you walk into that realm... If you don't do it as much, you'll think you're falling away from God. If you, if, if, if you, if you don't pray as, as 15 hours the way you used to and you only prayed 14, then oh my gosh, we need revival because I'm dying. And, and your relationship with God be, becomes more about what you do for Him other than what He's done for you. Be cautious. Because you will think you're doing it right while wearing yourselves out. You'll think you're praising God when the truth is your works have become your God. You, you, you'll sit there and want to do it all. And you will burn up and you'll destroy yourself. Let's keep reading. Verse 19. This is still Jethro speaking. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Stop. Are you willing and ready to receive wisdom and counsel from somebody that does not deserve it? Are you willing to receive counsel from somebody you didn't expect? Let me explain. Moses just delivered the people out of Egypt. Fire from heaven. Moses is leading the whole nation of God out of slavery. Jethro didn't do one bit of that. Jethro didn't do one bit of that. When I was a youth pastor, I've told this story before, I was doing all this stuff and a little kid came up and told me something that I needed to work on. And I said, who are you telling me your youth pastor on how to do and what to do? Do you know who I am? But see, God was using somebody that I didn't think had the right to speak into my life to tell me something I needed to hear. Are you willing to hear from a Jethro in your life? Now, some of you have already had to learn how to do it because you're listening to a pastor that's half your age, <laughs> which was probably interesting for quite a few of you. I was just talking to somebody this week, and they said, this person couldn't believe my pastor was 33. They said, there's no way. I've had people tell me to my face, I would come to your church if you weren't so young. Cool. I love asking him, well, do you remember how old Jesus was? Oh, never mind. Anyway, <laughs> we'll leave that one alone. But who do you have in your life? Are you willing to receive wisdom from people that come into your life when they see that you're walking different? 
How well do you receive correction from people? How well do you receive guidance from people? How well do you receive the, the, the wisdom from people despite who it's coming from? How well? See, before you dismiss wisdom, you need to check it with the Word. You need to check it with wisdom of the Word uh, of your leadership. And you need to check it with the Holy Spirit. But my question to you is this. Is how well do you receive wisdom? And how well do you see, uh, receive leading from those around you? Because so often what happens is we get into this mindset that I've done too much. I've gone too far. Oh, brother, I've been married for 50 years. I don't know what you could tell me about it. Oh, I've been going to church for 30 years. What could you tell me about it? Do you know sometimes the greatest wisdom you'll have is from a child? Do you know sometimes the greatest wisdom and teaching you'll find is from somebody you don't expect it? Listen and open your ears. Listen and open your ears. My question to you is this. How well do you receive wisdom? How well do you receive leading? Let's keep reading. Verse. Let's continue verse 19. I like this because I'm getting to share with you guys stuff that God has already brought me through. Listen, this has been fun. My study this week. Verse 19. Fix it. Finish it. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God and you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetedness, and a place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Then it, will be very, then it will be very great matter they shall bring to you. But every small matter they themselves shall judge. And it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all this people will also go to their place in peace. So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. So they judged the people at all times. The that they heard cases they brought to Moses, but they judged every small case themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way to his own land. This is how we operate at New Life Fellowship with leadership. We're not always perfect with it, but this is the goal. And the reason why is I don't want this to become the Chris show. If, you're a, if you've grown up in church, you'll know about this. Have you ever been in a prayer line in the altar and the special speaker or the pastor was praying for people and they had about four or five helpers and you didn't want the helpers to pray over you, you wanted the speaker to pray over you or you wanted the pastor because you felt like their prayers were bigger or you felt like their prayers were more powerful? We've got to be careful 
that I'm the only person that lays hands and prays over you. We've got to be careful because then it all becomes, oh, if I could just get to Chris. But that was never the purpose of Acts. My purpose of the leadership is we raise up is that if someone's sick, Terrence may come. Andrea may come. Hannah may come. Justin may come. Oh, different people that we're leading and we're pushing. Coy uh, may come. Lola may come. Carol may come. Manny may come. Ken may come. Hey, Daniel may come. Are you just as willing for a miracle to happen if it's not just the whole leader, but someone that serves in the house? Do you have just as much faith if I have a child from New Life Kids lay hands on you as much as an elder would lay hands on you? I mean, th this is the beauty of what God is doing in this season. It's not just let's watch Pastor Chris do it. Let's do it the way if Pastor Chris dies, Pastor Chris gets taken away on a, goal, uh, a fiery chariot or something happens and Pastor Chris gets uh, arrested. We still have church. We still pray for the sick. We still anoint. We still preach. We still do it. Because it was never about Pastor Chris in the first place. My job is not for you to just watch me do it. My job is a launching pad for you to find the ministry you're called to walk in yourself. And see, this is... I had to learn this very young. Ken Green has a daughter named Kristen, and she helped us do youth a long time ago. And I was running back and forth between sound booth to preaching to the cafe, and she said, Pastor Chris, stop. I said, we got to do stuff. She goes, that's what we're here for. You going to allow us to do it, or are you going to run yourself ragged? Well, I, I want it. I, I, just, I just know how it needs to be done. Do you trust us? Yeah, then let us run with you. And at that day, our youth ministry jumped, skyrocketed in anointing and, and, and the kids that came. See, God does something great when it's not just about let's go watch a pastor, but let me teach a father what it is to anoint his children. Let me teach a wife what it is to anoint her husband. Let me teach a man what it is to raise up young men around him. Let me teach these people around that you have a calling of God for you to walk out. It can't just be me. So my question is, do I have any able-bodied men and women spiritually able to walk with me so that when the world comes up to the stage and needs answers, that they don't just get it from me, that they can get it from you too? Do I have anybody in the parking lot that is willing to not just be a parking lot attendant and just a new life member, but says, Jesus, wherever you want us to go, Pastor Chris, you want me to preach? I'm going to preach. You want me to pray? I'm going to pray. You want me to go build a house? I'm going to build a house. If I've got to mow an elder's lawn, I'm going to mow an elder's lawn. But we're going to do it together because Jesus needs to be preached and it's too big of a job for one microphone. Are you willing to go with me? Woo! Hey, hey, hey. See, three detrimental effects of Moses acting as judge over everything, everyone, and situations. He was overworked. The people did not receive the justice they needed quickly. And the elders were deprived of the opportunity to use their talents. But on the other side, I won't burn out. 
I'm tired of seeing young pastors commit suicide. I'm tired of seeing young pastors quit the ministry. I'm tired of seeing young ministers and young worship leaders and young leaders in the church burn out because they didn't know how to operate in this principle. And I don't want to burn out and giving my best in these years and my kids not know what it is to see their daddy walk in the ministry at 70. I don't want to burn out and I don't want to see it. So we start with today. But also it's this. When we begin to have the body minister to the body, when we begin to see it, a few years ago, Stratton was in a wreck and I couldn't go. So the Uribes went and they went to the hospital and they got to pray and they got to anoint. And see, that's beautiful. Do you know why? Because God has brought me so much on the other side of pride. I don't get less affection because I wasn't the one that prayed. I get more joy when you get to do it, Mike. When you get to do it. When you get to walk it out. I don't need to be the one that's on the building. I want to be the one that's the launching pad to see you do it. Amen? Woo! And last, there is an anointing upon your life. There is a calling upon your life. There is a purpose upon your life. And the question is not if it's there. The question is not, is not, is it possible? The question is, are you willing to trust God enough for him to use you? Does that mean everyone has to have a mic? No. Some of y'all do not need to speak on stage. Hallelujah. Some of you ain't public speakers, and you'd say, hallelujah, I'm not. But not everybody's supposed to be the mouth. Some people, your job is to simply find a brother that's struggling in his marriage and to message him and call him and pray over him. Some of you are, need to be women, that when a woman is struggling as a mother, you get in a car and you say, we ain't going nowhere until we minister to so-and-so. We don't need to just be the church that says, oh, Lord, Tyler, did you hear so-and-so is at the bar? Oh, Lord. It needs to be, Tyler, you get five guys. You get five guys. You get five guys. We're going to the bar, and we're not leaving until he comes back with us, and then we're going to pray for him in the parking lot, and we're going to pray for restoration in his life. See, it's not just the fact of, well, I hope Pastor Chris doesn't see our marriage is struggling, but maybe we come together as marriages and lift each other up so that when the world sees this church, they see thriving relationships and thriving parents and thriving ministries in each one of your lives. You have a purpose. And I can't do it alone. I don't want to do it alone, Mike. I'm so far past that. You have a purpose. But in order to do it, you have to trust me. You have to give God the glory for your victories and allow him to heal your hardened areas. You have to accept advice and wisdom even when it's from somebody you don't expect. And you have to be willing. You have to be willing to be used and not just hide in the background. 
We are running out of time for the church to just hide in the background and show up on a Sunday and find my seat and sing my two songs and go back home. We're running out of time to just do church that looks good. We're running out of time to be just pew warmers. We're running out of time to just be, oh, that's this church and that church. The world needs the body of Christ. And if we don't carry it, it's not going to go. If we're not going to carry it, it doesn't doesn't happen by osmosis when they drive by the building. You're the body. You carry the answer. You carry the wisdom. You carry the truth. You carry the purpose. And our job is to run together. And who I need to know, is anybody in this parking lot willing to run with me so Jesus is made famous in our area? Come on! Hey! I'm ready for a closet that houses broken wheelchairs because they weren't needed anymore. I'm ready for a closet that has dried up bottles of liquor that alcoholics walked in and freed people walked out. I'm ready for a paper box of divorce decrees that were ripped up at the altar because people decided to let God heal their marriage. I'm ready for handcuffs to be laid at the altar because people that were locked up in old lifestyles found freedom. I'm ready for new life. I'm ready for... Mm. Terrence, I've got to be careful because my spirit wants to go places you and I have been talking about. There's... Let's just go it. Whatever. I don't care. I don't care. I'm so past caring right now. There's areas that we feel like we're allowed to preach because it's safe. And then there's areas we don't talk about because you just don't talk about it. But now because we haven't talked about it for generations, the church is struggling how to deal with it. I'm excited for people with sexual issues and sexual demonic problems and struggles and homosexuality and transgenderism and struggles with all of these things that they, they, they don't know that there's freedom at the cross. I, 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 I'm, I, I'm so afraid to talk. I'm, I'm so tired of afraid to talk about things that world is going through and not knowing that there is salvation through Jesus Christ. No matter your struggle, no matter your problem, no matter your pain. I'm ready to see those freedoms. I'm ready to see them. I'm ready to see old lifestyles laid at the altar. I'm ready to see old lifestyles be laid at the cross. And I know what this means. This video may get blocked by Facebook. I know what this means. We may get warned and, and, and we may get called on. But I would much rather preach the truth of Jesus Christ and stand before him and say, I talked about you, than try to appease the world and be a popular church. That's your calling. That's your purpose. That's your destiny. And we're called to do it. Amen? Now, after I said all that, is anybody still with me? I just want to make sure. Okay. Awesome. A few less honks, but it was good. Amen. I love you. I'm excited for what God's going to do in your life, through your life. Amen.